For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Lisa likes the window seat at night. The lights below that tell her she's nearly home. Then there's the lights she can't see. The runway lights we power to bring her plane safely into land. And because at Energia we also power all of Ireland's streetlights, Lisa's taxi home is that bit safer too. And no prizes for guessing who powers her house. Welcome home, Lisa. Energia. The power behind your power. Welcome to the More Perfect Union, a podcast about the joy we get from American politics. Hi, I'm DJ from Suffolk, Virginia, self-described economic conservative and self-confessed Republican. Hi, my name is Greg. I'll be your uh, Democratic liberal from Cincinnati tonight. I'm Jonah. I'm an independent and I'm from Maryland. And I'm Kevin. I'm a Democrat slightly on the moderate side and I'm from Los Angeles. You can find us on the web at moreperfectunionpodcast.com, where you can hear this podcast and also some blogs and commentary. You can also like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash moreperfectunionpodcast. And please don't forget to rate and review us on iTunes. Well, tonight we start with the Iowa caucuses, which are about four weeks away and actually closer to three weeks away now. I got oh, my calendar wrong goodness. in my head. <laughs> and we can actually move from polls and polls and polls to actual votes. And the I guess the first question I think we should all have is it true Trump is in second place right now, slightly or somewhat behind Ted Cruz. Can Donald Trump get his people into the caucus rooms and get them to stay there long enough to vote for him? Yes. Greg, what do you think about that? Yes, yes, yes. Um Poll after poll has just been the Republican polls. And what Donald Trump has been doing is he's been getting non-Republicans. And he's got this whole plan to get these people who don't always – the Iowa caucus is this very – oh, this is for people who are really deep into the political machine. He's getting people. He's showing them what you do when you walk in. You do this. You do this. You go from point A to point B. He's going to get people who have never been to a caucus in, and he's going to get large numbers, numbers that Iowa has never seen, and it's going to crush Cruz or anybody within a 10-point distance. So that's how I think Trump's going to overcome any point difference. 
Well, mm. I must say, you, you, I feel like a kid who's just been told that Santa Claus is real. But, <laughs> but, but what I'm reading in the newspapers is, is suggesting <laughs> the opposite of that. So I'd like to know where you're getting that information. I hope it's true. Uh, but I am reading that Trump is not as organized as he would like people to believe, that he doesn't have as many field offices and field operatives as he boasted he would have. Uh, do you remember by the, any chance, uh, Greg, where you where you heard all that? I actually just heard – I actually just saw one of the Sunday news programs. Uh, it was um, someone from the Times and there's no love lost between the Times and Trump and they were okay. saying it. And, Great. and not only that, but uh, Trump's Twitter post was telling me this too. And I'm <laughs> I'm sure that's 100%. Oh, that's, that's, he wouldn't lie to you. <laughs> he wouldn't lie to me. But no, the Times was uh, was telling like they are on the ground. They are they have this down. He's got the best advisors, the classiest advisors, and they may actually pull the greatest heist of the century. The century is 16 years. Mm. So, yeah, what do you guys true. think? <laughs> well, here's the thing. You know, I, I'm of two mixed opinions on this because on the one hand, you know, the man has organized massive construction projects. He knows how to pull off a deal and execute on a project. So you would think that some of those skills would transfer to hiring a competent field staff and teaching people how to bring in – um, caucusers and how to lead a caucus. So on that side, I'd like to believe that it's correct. On the other side, he does boast a lot. And the sense that I'm getting from the various articles I'm reading is he is not really doing the diligent groundwork that you need to have a competent organized field organization in Iowa. Mm. And that's what I've heard as well. And I've, I saw something from the Washington Examiner the other day that said he only has about 10% of the county uh, – 10% of the counties covered with a county chairman, and the overwhelming majority of those county chairmen have never been to a caucus before. So that means that they are not particularly experienced about all the things you need to do in a caucus, and I don't mean just – you know, I don't mean just dialing up people and, and trying to make sure they show up. I mean getting babysitters if you need it, getting folks to drive you there, finding some way to keep them engaged when they're in the hall, when all the local party business goes down first. I mean these things – I've actually been at what's called – what they call mass meetings here and uh, to determine who goes to congressional district conventions, who goes to state conventions, and it's a very long – and can be a very tedious process. And I guess, you know, well, you know, there's always a first time for everything, but I would be very surprised if he has managed to find some way to, to just overnight get, uh, get tens of thousands of people to show up and get them to stay long enough to do anything. Now, the one advantage Trump does have is that unlike on the Democratic side, there is no, Minimum inter minimum amount of support that you need in order for it to register. From, if memory serves, on the Democratic side, if a candidate does not get 15% of the vote in a particular meeting, he gets zero. He or she gets zero of the delegates moved forward. There's no such thing on the Republican side. So Trump will be able to pick up if he gets six or seven or 10% in a certain area. He can pick that up. Granted, all the other candidates can too. But I don't just I don't think Trump has the organizational ability, particularly with people, again, who aren't Republicans, who are going to be asked essentially to sit through a Republican organization meeting for two or three hours. 
I don't see that happening with him in Iowa. I think he has a much better shot in New Hampshire. Yeah, I sort of I feel I feel that's that's right. I think that because he's really been proud of his outsider status, it really does serve him well in something like New Hampshire where it's just just show up and do it. But the lack of organization, the lack of experience, the lack of sort of insiders talking to him is going to hurt him probably in some of the caucus states where I think I think you're right. I think that his people are pretty enthusiastic and he does have this weird energy and people are going to show up much like the Bernie Sanders people will do it. But they don't necessarily know – at least a good chunk of them don't necessarily know what they're in store for. So who knows – like you guys are saying, will they will they actually stay? So, and that's the difference between him. If I can just say, that's the difference between what Trump did and what Ron Paul did in his campaigns, and what Rand Paul might do in his. In that they reached the Pauls, or at least Ron Paul did. He would reach out to people, and he would make sure they knew, hey, look, this isn't just about my candidacy. That making sure we get control of this local Republican committee, this county Republican committee. His supporters had a reason to stay all the way through until the end and go through the mashing of the of the early votes and the various procedures and process stuff. I don't think Trump has even considered any of that, and that's why I think a lot of those people will either stay away or they'll come and maybe they'll get bored for fifteen to, first fifteen to twenty minutes and they'll just bolt. All right, mm. going back. Uh, but, to what uh, wait, you I said. want to ask oh, one question. Have any of you ever been to a caucus? I have not. No, no I, I wish. Okay. I have been to the closest th- – not at the presidential level because we've never done presidential caucuses, but I have done essentially uh, a caucus for a U.S. Senate nomination and for a gubernatorial nomination. And what essentially happens is the local uh, – the count in our case, it's county because in Virginia, counties and cities are equal. But the county party has a meeting. Everybody gets together. Um, the first thing is they figure out – uh, whether everyone is actually a registered voter and should actually show up. That takes about 15 to 20 minutes. Then you go into an election for the party chairman, the local party chairman, and other local party offices. That can take anywhere. I mean, I saw one party chairman election that took two hours. And mm-hmm. then you will get to, once you elect a permanent chairman, then you will get to, um, Things for okay, nom, you know, nominating of people to go to the congressional district convention, nominating of people to go to the state convention. Now in Virginia, the rules are a little different, in that they usually come. They usually they they love to pack the house in Virginia. They love to have gigantic conventions of tens of thousands of people. So they will let counties send far more people than actually want to go. Okay. So what, usually, what happens is how it works in Iowa. So well, uh, I think in, I think in Iowa it's a little different in that if memory serves, if memory serves, you have folks who show up at they don't even show up at county conventions; they show up at little town conventions, right? And then they elect people to county conventions that happen about a week about a week afterwards. And what happens is the actual caucus vote is people who vote for delegates that are delegates to county conventions that are pledged to a particular presidential candidate. And that's how they tally votes. And right. in fact, in Iowa last time, it was so close that they they ended up confusing who some of the delegates were actually aligned to. So everyone thought Mitt Romney won the won the Iowa caucuses when in fact he lost. Hopefully, they right. won't make that mistake this time. 
So that it's interesting information. And, and two other things. My, my understanding of how a caucus works is that there's a lot of horse trading. There's a lot of lobbying people. You know, you go to the Kasich people and say, look, you're at 4% right now. You're not going to – why waste your vote on Kasich? So why don't you come to our person? Now, here's two points that I want to make. Some of that. It's a, it's a lot easier for Cruz or Rubio to make that argument to disassociated or disaffected Kasich, Bush, uh, Carson voters than Trump. If you, if you don't like Trump – I would agree. I, I don't see what you can say to people to say, hey, your vote is a waste. Why not come on board with the guy who's going to win or whatever they're going to say? Um, the second thing is I predict – and you know another one of Kevin's wild out there predictions, Trump likes to spend money to get effect. You know, remember when he brought that helicopter to the uh the Iowa Fair to give rides to little kids? I wouldn't be surprised yeah. if he's throwing lavish buffets out in his, you know, tents, if he's using other inducements to get people to the caucuses and to stay there and that it becomes a scandal of some sort that he's accused of bribing people. So just be aware that that could be something that comes up. Hmm. Hmm. Yeah, that, I is, can see that, that is an angle he could use. Speaking of scandals, um, the newest scandal, which is one of my favorite things in the world. Recently, oh, it's great. It's, it's great. It's awesome. And <laughs> it's, I, I've, been, I've been jittery. It's been so good. Is the Republican Party has turned on their own after years of being like vultures on our own American president. They've been saying, well, Maybe Ted Cruz isn't an American, and maybe he and they and the way they've been doing it is just so deliciously evil. They go, you know, I don't have a problem. I think he's an American, but a lot of talk. There's been a lot of talk, <laughs> and he needs to answer. You know, uh, I know your friend Kevin Carly. Yeah, uh, uh, she, her her line was one of my favorite. Was I think he's an American, but. In 2014, which was just two years ago, he he got rid of his Canadian citizenship. I think that says something, but I think he's an American. Right. It's just, it's just so malicious and evil that they turn on their own. Hey, Kevin. Yeah. Kevin, Kevin, do you remember, and I actually don't remember this. I don't remember experiences, but I remember reading about it. Wasn't one of Richard Nixon's favorite phrases was, you know, some people say as a way of throwing an accusation without actually making it himself. Yeah, probably. Wasn't it one of Nixon's favorite things? I don't remember specifically, but it probably was. Well, this is because you know what it reminds me. Go ahead, go ahead, Kev. Go ahead. What does it remind you? I say it reminds me of you know being in high school and saying, "Well, I'm not saying Betty Lou is loose, but if if you see what's written in the men's room stalls." But I'm not saying it. But that stuff didn't yeah, just appear yeah, this, there. <laughs> yeah, this, this is this is one where 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 again, if you look at who actually did this, Trump has a vested interest in knocking down Ted Cruz because he wants to get past him in Iowa. But it's not. Just and everybody Trump, else has a no, no. Everybody right. else has a vested interest in Cruz stumbling, so they will do something like, "Oh, well, I think this is silly," but you never know; it might affect people. And blah, 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 blah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So you're gonna, so you know, they're gonna, they're they're gonna go through this sort of thing, and it's basically, you know, it it, it is it's an attempt to take down Ted Cruz, obviously. Um, but this, you know, this is what happens when you have. But then this is the sort of thing we see all the time. Um, 
You want to know what the greatest source of what, what the greatest source of global warming propaganda was? Global warming alarmist propaganda was called. It was probably oil companies who wanted to beat up the coal firms. Right. Right. I'm not kidding. Right. But, <laughs> but but what's this is you know you've got this. some Republican candidates beating up the others. But but what's great about it? It's the same line that they used against Obama four to eight years ago, and they're also using the same line against Rubio. Well, you know. I just don't see him as experienced enough because he only has and they're eating their own. Mm. So so I want to take a minute here and see if we can get to the truth of the matter. And is Ted Cruz actually qualified to be president? I'd like to uh, I, I think mean, about mentally, this. mentally. So so no. we talked about this when when John <laughs> when McCain was the nominee, there yeah. was this brief little thing because he wasn't born in the United States, but he was born on a military base. Right. And then in they kind Panama? of talked. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And they and they're like, in, he okay. Was born in the he was born in the he was born in the Panama Canal zone, which at the time was United States territory. Yeah. Right. So that and so that so qualifies. the fact that it was yeah that qualified him under the rules. And this is this is one of the things that that made that in my opinion made the whole Obama thing silly. Is that even if somebody could magically find a, a birth certificate somewhere in Nairobi that said, "Look, see, it says Barack Obama was born in Kenya," which I don't think he says because he's not born there. His mother was an American citizen under the law. That's right. it. He's an American citizen no matter where the hell he was born. Same thing for Ted Cruz. His mother was an American citizen under the law. That's it. He is a citizen qualified to be president of the United States. This whole thing is designed to pull votes away from him. And, you know, hey, like as, as John McCain once said, politics ain't beanbag. So, you know, he knew this would come up because it's come up before. So he has to answer it. He's answered it as best he can. And so let me go answering it. Oh, go ahead. I, no, I just want to go just a little bit further into the weeds <laughs> and, <laughs> and talk and talk about the idea of, of dual citizenship. And uh, and what who's the, who's the most recent president we've had that's been a dual citizen? So if indeed Ted Cruz has renounced his potential Canadian citizenship. Uh, that's, that's fine. That's whatever. Uh, Who, who's the, who's the most recent president we've had that has been a a citizen of more than one country? George George Washington. Washington. (laughs) (laughs) That's it. Actually, actually, here's a, here's a great trivia question. You could ask friends. Who's the first president born in the United States? Martin Uh, Van Buren. Martin Van Buren, the eighth president. That is um, – um, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. No, that, that is correct. That is correct because Jackson was 1767, Ohio? not 1777. Yep. So, so Van Buren? You, Van Buren yeah. was born in New York. Damn it. So the, 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 the other thing to recognize, Jonah, and I'm sorry to just interrupt, it, is <sighs> that until 1998, if you, if you acquired or had American citizenship, you automatically renounced any other citizenship you had. Uh, not really. That was that. Well, that that was that that was how American law understood it until 1998. The notion was, if you were an American citizen, that's it. You couldn't be a citizen of any other country, and you couldn't actually try to use the citizenship of any other country for anything. That changed in 1998, as I understand it. Yeah. Well, some country. But the other thing about that is, if you had American citizenship, some countries said, "Well, we're cool with you having American citizenship." You can have both. So it would all depend on, like, Canada has always allowed dual citizenship. Well, yeah. Can- Canada's, Canada's Right. And, and I've but- known people who had, like, who had uh, English 
dual citizenship because England was cool. And in Japan, you can have dual citizenship until age 22 if you're a child, especially a child of a military. Um, but at 22, you have to renounce it. Um, Go ahead, Kev. You were going to say something. Oh, I was going to say, in, in terms of the constitutionality of whether or not Ted Cruz or John McCain or somebody else uh, could, you know, uh, run for and be elected president of the United States. You know, we could talk about it all day long, just like we could talk about whether Obamacare should be legal or not, or whether Citizens United is constitutional or not. Ultimately, it comes down to nine people that we've never spoken to and how they would vote on a given day after hearing oral arguments. To me, what this issue is really about is a Cruz want, excuse me, Trump wanted to put Cruz on his heels in the last couple of weeks of the primary or caucus, excuse right. me, which he's done very successfully. But it also shows how much disdain other senators have for Ted Cruz. Oh, yes. I, I mm, saw on true. one of the morning shows today some quotes from John McCain, Lindsey Graham. Uh, there were one or two others who were quoted. And these people will not support a Ted Cruz presidency. Now, they may tacitly say I endorse him because they're Republicans and they have to do it for the caucus. I mean, not the primary caucus, but for the Senate caucus. But they are not going to wholeheartedly uh, endorse him. They are not going to campaign for him. So I think a more interesting question is, who is the last president who ran without the full backing of his party and won? Hmm. Uh, That would be (laughs) – no, no, no. No, I would actually say probably Harry Truman. Uh, Harry. Harry Harry had Democrats to his right and to his left run against him actually in 1948 his party was his party was splintered um but he still but he still managed to get to to get himself over the line the other thing is yes McCain and Graham really do despise Cruz but if someone sits him down and says look if he's elected he won't be in the Senate anymore that might convince him to go full bore for him yeah it might absolutely that's true that's very true. So I'm I'm very happy we're still talking about Lindsey Graham. So I'm thinking about <laughs> I, I was thinking about him the other day because in these statements that they put out that he and McCain put out, and it was it was great because uh, you know he's walking that. The, so here's the fascinating thing, and why I think Lindsey Graham should still be president. So he said this thing. He had this great statement about. Uh, what you guys were just sort of paraphrasing that, you know, okay, whoever the nominee is will support the nominee. That's great. And if it's somebody like Cruz or Trump, I guess that means we have to rethink what it means to be a Republican and what the voters are telling us. And it was just one of these things where between the lines, neither of these guys want to be doing this anymore, especially if Trump or Cruz is the nominee there. I think, I, think like, I, I, w- I would say that's probably a little overblown regarding Cruz because while Cruz has rubbed a lot of people the wrong way, and that is true, there really isn't as much sub- substantive disagreement between Cruz and, say, the rest of the Republican caucus. There's a lot of argument arguing about the tactics used in 2013. A lot of Republicans thought that Cruz just really used bad tactics and was trying to hide from that by claiming everyone who disagreed with him on tactics was a traitor. So people are personally upset at Cruz. Donald Trump would mean the Republican Party, as I knew it growing up, is not. It, it's just not something I recognize anymore. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's the, it's the and end of the you know, the Reagan the Reagan uh, alliance. It, there. It, it, it is. It would basically it would it would crack and splinter 
the fusionism that Reagan essentially built the modern Republican Party on as I recognize it. Cruz in his mind is probably would still try to put that together. I don't know whether he would succeed or not. Trump would take the party in an entirely different direction. And I'll be honest, it's not a direction I'm comfortable with. Um, but I think would you, would Trump would be much be, more of a shock than Cruz. Would you still call Cruz. yourself a Republican? If Trump is the nominee? Yeah, or, or if yeah. he wins. If he wins. Would you say, oh, you know, I'm going to take down my picture of President Reagan or right next to it. I'm going to put, you know, President Trump up. Maybe not as big of a picture. Mm-hmm. You know. No, no. Pre- pre- President Trump will never get that. President Trump will never get a picture. You have Reagan, you have the Pope, and then you have Trump. Yeah. <laughs> He'll build his own Mount Rushmore. Uh, right. Yeah, right, he will. And it'll and be he'll bigger. Um, and later. it'll do cheaper under budget. And it'll, it'll be, be huge. And <laughs> it'll be in gold. <laughs> it will be huge. And that's actually the problem is that under is that I one of the reasons why I am a the main reason why I'm a why I am a Republican is because as flawed as it is, the Republican Party is still, in my opinion, the best vehicle for limiting government. And under Donald Trump, government by definition would be huge because he wants it to be huge. <laughs> And frankly, if the if the Republican Party is going to go on in 2017 and onward as vote for us, we're just like the Democrats, but with homophobia, you know, then the Republican Party has left me. Okay, uh, devil's advocate, DJ. Uh, if you believe what he says, he wants to repeal Obamacare. He wants to uh, adjust the tax code that is more towards what Republicans have been trying to push for decades than where it is now. Uh, he wants to build up the military. Um, I believe he wants to do away with Common Core. He wants to cut other programs that are more aligned with the Democratic Party than the Republican Party. So if you take him at his word on all of those or most of those, my question to you is, wouldn't you rather see a Trump presidency than a Hillary Clinton or a Bernie Sanders presidency? Yeah, the to, that I would answer, to that I would answer, and then we'll move on. Yeah. Uh, yes, he said he, he said he would repeal Obamacare, but he has repeatedly talked up single-payer health care, including in this campaign, which would lead me to believe he would replace Obamacare with Bevancare, for those of you who remember your British health minister from 1948. Absolutely. Um, Absolutely. He has, he has, he has, he has what, in my opinion, is a very is a very good tax plan. I will give it. I will give that to him. He has talked about a stronger military, but it doesn't seem like he wants to use it anywhere. It looks like he wants to just build it up and keep it stateside. That doesn't seem that you know. If you use, if you build up a military and don't actually use it to advance American interests where it is needed to advance American interests, not frivolously, uh, then that's then that's, there's really no use to it. Um, I have not heard him talk about cutting programs that are beneficial to Democrats. I haven't I mean maybe I missed it, but I haven't seen it at all. I haven't seen him talk about any sort of serious entitlement reform. In fact, he's continued to defend unreformed entitlements as it is. He is not the kind of person who, in my opinion, if I if I take him at his word, government will be bigger under him than it is now, and that's not what we need because he wants it that way. Okay. Fair yeah. enough. Fair enough. Good good analysis. Yeah. That's so there were actually things be, there were actually things besides the presidential campaign that happened. There was the fellow who was actually still in the White House and oh, yeah. oh, who cares President about Obama. him? <laughs> I, I, I hear he wasn't even born in the news. country. Yeah. <laughs> 
he went he uh touted his efforts to essentially use the power of the pen to uh either increase or firm up or flesh out however you want to define it depending upon your mileage uh various gun regulations in this country and he went to a town hall at CNN at George Mason University uh which is uh, very near where Jonah and I are mm-hmm. uh to sort of tout them and and to listen to folks uh, the first thing that I uh, that I'll say that I that I thought was interesting and, and somewhat saddening was that the the head of the George Mason Republicans tried to get tickets and was basically told, no, the tickets only go for people that the president wants to come in. Now, the president did let some folks in who did not necessarily agree with him, but that gave the impression that this was not really, in my opinion, that it wasn't really a town hall as much as it was a stage managed performance. Now, stage managed performances are just fine. The president can have stage managed performances. That's all well and good. Just don't call a stage managed performance a town hall because it gives the impression that it gives the impression of unpredictability that really was not actually there. Um, but as for what the president did, I've said this before. I'll say it again. It will affect very few people. It will not change a heck of a lot, but it will tick off enough people that they will sue him and he will probably lose so that nothing will happen except we all go into our little tribal shouting zones, and we all feel better about ourselves. And that's just my opinion. Well, listen, anything that makes people feel better about themselves is, uh, you know, has to be a net positive. So and I think we should all applaud the president. That's the primary job. <laughs> but well, let, me, let me say this. Uh, not surprisingly, I see it a little differently. Um, I thought that there was some fairly tough questioning of the president. I didn't see it as a staged uh, production at all. What, Greg, uh, Jonah, what do you think? Um, you know, I first of all, as far as the uh, the county Republican, I've tried to get into presidential things. And if you try to go the day of whether you're a county person or not, it's tough. And county people or not, it's not always easy to get into these town hall things. So that aside, um, I thought it was fair. I thought he gave he had tough questions. I thought there was, of course, very scripted questions also it seemed very planted but it's kind of hard to argue with yes he talked about mental illness he gave that and yes he said this is where we're at it's really hard you know um i got a call from the nra the very next day saying he's taking our guns and i was like i don't know if he is and they're like but he is and i said where do you see this (laughs) And I kept him on the line for a half an hour agreeing with him at first because that really upsets him because um, <laughs> I wasted his time. <laughs> and uh, finally, at the end, I go, what did Bill O'Reilly say about this? He goes, we're not talking about that. But even Bill O'Reilly says, yeah, we got to go go with some of this. We have to go with better checks and, you know, more people getting hired. Eh, you know, I don't see this as a bad thing. What do you think, Jonah? Well, I, I, I mean, uh, so something has to happen, right? And right. interestingly, I was in a, a gun shop the last week. And while I was standing there, a guy – like it's not a store that I normally go in. I, I don't remember the last time I was in one. But just sort of being there and watching the people come in and they're like, hey, I'm waiting for my background check. Shuffle, shuffle, shuffle. Yep, it's in. You can get whatever you want. 
And then somebody else coming in and saying, hey, I'm looking to sell this. And then, you know, going about it like it was a comic shop. And they're like, oh, this this right here is a little scratch. And this is There's something about the culture that is very much speaks to me like like it's a, it's a nerd culture. It's a geek culture. The like the I, mm-hmm. I would say that. Uh, and and who I don't know what Wait, was in any of their do you hearts. Mean fetish culture? No, I mean the same thing. <laughs> going going Funny to a, Greg. a sci-fi Funny. con uh, this next weekend. Uh, it's it's the same idea. Like almost everyone was yeah. in there talking about collectibles, and they were they weren't like you know how did it fire? It fired fine. Okay, but what about this thing? And it was just it was such a strange experience that. I guess I didn't expect it to feel like that, you know? And I think that I, I'll agree with Bill O'Reilly on this. I think that we need we need to figure out what the heck we're doing and uh, and whether everything is... Uh, so, but for me, the bigger question is... Uh, so I've read a couple of headlines about this puts guns on the table in the next presidential election as a big issue. And I don't know... Like, when we look at national polling on this... There are the people that are in the NRA camp and the hardcore, um, you know, constitutional, my right to bear arms people. But there's not a whole lot of them. And I don't think there's enough, even if they're all super worked up, I don't know if there's enough to, to switch the election between, you know, Clinton and Trump. If if it's if it's if it's if it's Clinton and Trump, then there there aren't going to be there's going to be there's going to really be any force out there, that, except for except for you know unless Sweet Meteor of Death decides to actually enter the campaign and wipe out a whole bunch of blue states, which I'm hoping does not happen because <laughs> that would be lots of people dying. That's bad. Just so we're clear here, uh, this is not a scenario I want. Wait, someone accidentally said it this morning that Virginia's a blue state, so you don't want that to happen. Someone said it this oh, yeah, morning. Exactly. Who was it? Laffer, Laffner, uh, supply side economic guy, uh, said uh, that uh, Arthur Laffer. Laffer, yeah. He said that no matter what, any Republican candidate who goes up against Clinton, anyone, will get about forty-seven, forty-five, forty-six, forty-seven states at least. Any Republican candidate. <laughs> that's 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 what. Our, okay, Arthur. I, I I've actually met Arthur Laffer. Uh, I oh, have. Oh, okay. He yeah. is. I would. I, I I've met I've met the man. Yeah. I would say he's a very good economist. He's a terrible political prognosticator. Right. Exactly. Just so we that's understand where this that. This was leading to. Um, he no, said yeah, it with no, a straight face, by the way. I'm sh- I'm sure he did. Um, no sure Republican. No. Re- that uh, you know the GOP candidate will get 57 states against Hillary Clinton. So <laughs> go ahead. That, uh, that, go that, ahead. That, that is true. And, and I can and I can only and I can only assume he got high on the fungus he got from sucking his latest round of toes. Right. <laughs> but the simple fact of the matter is, um, this sort of this kind of issue, you know, in general broad terms, voters are actually. They are more suspicious of gun regulation than they were 10, 20 years ago. But I think what the president did, and I think the president was rather smart on this, was he had a combination of things that, in my opinion, expanded his power in ways in, in ways that he did not have authority to. But he couched them with things that just you know make it faster to do background checks, come up with the people needed to actually make this stuff work. And those are things that just most American that that makes sense to a lot of Americans. So he did, you know, this is, you know, the, the NRA will, will, will say what they're going to say and people are going to get all, all 
all flustered and all this other sort of thing. But at the end of the day, I don't think this really changes things much, which is in general, if a Democrat sounds like a gun grabber, it is going to hurt them. If a Democrat is able to avoid sounding like a gun grabber, and most of them usually are in a campaign, then the fundamentals return. And right now, the fundamentals favor the Democrats. And finally this week, there was a vote in the House and in the Senate to repeal Obamacare. It passed. And it was repealed. It was well, repealed. And then, of course, well, and then the president vetoed the legislation. What I found really funny was that they had a signing ceremony in the House with um, the new Speaker of the House, um, Paul Ryan, thank you, signing the the legislation as if he's the president of the United States. Do they do, they um, do signing Signing. They do now. <laughs> I mean, is this their they, thing? Like every you know, like bill that goes up, oh, I think we should have a signing bill. Oh, we just every, kicked 17 million people off health care. Smile. Every, we're, we're... Every, every bill does – every bill is supposed to be signed by the speaker and whoever the presiding – and the president – I believe the president brought to the Senate. It normally is not this public though. It's usually just a pro forma here. Whoosh, sign. Move right. on. Uh, what this actually says though – and this is, you know, you always have to, you always have to look, always have to read between lines and sort of thing. This is actually, in my opinion, a sign of Republican weakness, and I can say that because I'm, because because I'm one of, because I'm one of them. This is a sign of our weakness. This was something that right after the 2014 election, um, John Boehner and Mitch McConnell said this, and this is one of the first things we'll do in 2015, and they never actually got around to doing it in 2015. As you notice, it's not 2015 anymore. Not close. Um, this is actually a sign, and this is something. And I remember, you know, growing up when the Democrats controlled Congress and Ronald Reagan or George Bush the Elder were in the White House. Democrats could send him stuff that he had to veto and embarrass him day in, day out. Bang, 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 bang. They even sent him stuff that the president, they, Congress even sent those presidents stuff they wanted to veto because they needed to pass it to to please their voters. The fact that it took. The Republican Congress, 12 months to get what was what they had told us all was their first priority is actually a sign of how of how much getting something through Congress is the equivalent of hurting cats these days. So whatever we want to you know, we can argue the issue as much as we want to, and it's going to be discussed during the campaign, of course. But for the most part, this was really a sign of Republican weakness, because to most Republicans, when this came out, the idea was. Really, it took you this long. Where, what the hell have you been doing for the past year? You said you would do this last January, not this January. This is actually a sign of just how badly organized Republicans in Congress really are. They've been very busy. They had to deny first responders health care. Um, they, <laughs> <laughs> they had to do all sorts of other things. So, yeah, I mean, I give them some loose slack on that. They've had other things. Paul oh, Ryan sure. had to grow a beard. Um, he, oh, I like the beard. I, I like do, too. Beard. I have to say, the beard is the best thing he's done in <laughs> years. That is, approval, you know why I think he grew it? Up. I think he grew it so when he's done being speaker and he's ready to start planning his presidential election campaign in 2018, let's say, he shaves the beard and hopes that people don't recognize him. Well, oh. it's too late because he already shaved the beard. Did he oh. really? Is it because <laughs> yeah, I he said did. something? He's already... No, it wasn't you. It oh. wasn't you. He, he, <laughs> he shaved it. He, he shaved it at the start of the year. 
I don't know. I don't know why he decided to shave it in January because you know this is the coldest month of the year, and that's what a beard is for. Exactly, is to keep your face warm in the wind. Um, Ask Santa but, Claus. But uh, you know, so I, I, you know, I, I don't know what I don't know what it is behind that. But this is the the more interesting part is going to be really the the more interesting part, and the part where this really becomes becomes an argument worth having is going to be when the Republican nominee, whoever that is. Tells us what they're, you know, if if they're going to continue and insist on on saying on repealing it, then okay, what's your post Obamacare health care policy? That is a question the Republican Party that we have never answered over the last six and a half years. No, we haven't. The answer is replace. No, we haven't. No, no, it's repeal and replace. What part of that don't you understand? Replace with what? what? I know. Replace with what? Well, you guys. And that's the part they've never. That's the part they have. That's the part we we have never answered. We come up with six different ideas, and then I we beat up each of those ideas internally, and nothing ever happens. Right. Yeah, so conservative the, voters don't care about that part. They just want Obamacare done. Replace is just a PC word for, and uh, we'll deal with the the repercussions somehow. See, you think they don't care, and, but in Kentucky, just recently, yeah, yeah. They just elected a new governor who said, you know what, the first thing I'm going to do, and that's my Kentucky accent, is I'm going to get rid of this here Obamacare because it's horrible. Now, 11 or however, hundreds of thousands of Kentuckians need this. And then the thing he said, okay, I'm here. Where is that pen? And they all freaked out. They all freaked out. And they were like, you're not really doing this. He said, well, you told me to. And he said, um, on second thought, I'm not going to repeal it. I am going to quote him doing my air quotes again. I wish you guys could see this. Modify it. <laughs> okay? And any president, Republican president, who gets in and says, I'm going to repeal this and kick you all off, is insane. He's going to, um, once again, air quotes, modify it. End air quote. What is it's it's one one of you you he's either going to, it's either going to be it will be repealed and then large chunks of it will come back in whatever the replacement form is or it will be um it will be essentially change this change that change the other um the more important thing i think frankly that bevin can do and it's probably why he he didn't he figured he'd just get this off his plate is to go after the certificate of public need nonsense which is actually going to be an issue that's going to be popped up here in virginia um here's the thing if you live in a state that you that uses certificate of public need to determine whether a hospital can open whether a hospital can get an mri whether a an urgent care center can open etc etc and i don't know the very i don't know which how it works in all of your states i just know in virginia but if you live in a COPN state, you already have rationed health care. It's just rationed by a bureaucratic official who you have never heard, and it's rationed in a way that guarantees hospital profits. You mean a death uh, panel? Um, <laughs> not quite. Um, I know. I just, but like, it I is just a, like it's my word. It's our word now. Yeah I, yeah, I know. But but it is a, but it is. I mean, it is essentially something that says this is the amount of health care that you will have in your state. Period. And that it's not something people panel. focus. It, it's not something people focus on because it's state issues and it's obscure state law. Uh, but it's one of the things that Bevan talked about during his campaign, and it's something I hope he actually moves on because 
it is it really is it's ration care and it it's guaranteed monopolistic behavior and it's the sort of thing that we really shouldn't have in our healthcare system at all period okay and with that why don't we move on to um our wrap up and predictions for the week and weeks to come Anyone want to start? I'll leave it open-ended as to what you're predicting. It could be who's going to drop out next. I don't think we think anyone's dropping out before Iowa um, or how the debates are going to go uh, in the next week. We have one Republican and one Democratic debate coming up uh, or just state of the races. Anything? Anyone? So I've been thinking about um, uh, Rand Paul and how – like we were talking about earlier, how his dad did really well with caucuses with the organization and Rand Paul's not going to win, and he's not going to do super well. But my understanding is that Nevada is the last sort of Paul stronghold organizational, organization-wise. So I, I'm suspecting that Rand Paul's going to make it through Nevada before he drops out, just to see how well the Paul machine works. Okay. <laughs> when is Nevada, though? That's a little ways away, isn't it? No, it's... it's um. No, it's uh, it's February twenty third. Yeah, it's after uh, New Hampshire. It's right at it's right after South Carolina. Oh, that would be fun. no. South Carolina is in there first. That's oh, right. Okay. South Carolina is in there. That will be interesting to see then. Yeah, that that's a that's a good call. That that's a that's a really good call. Um, as far as predictions, I see Trump taking the first two. I don't see him pulling the South as much. I uh, I can't see him taking Florida. Um, I see Hillary just beating Sanders. Like a narc at a biker's rally. I mean, it's just, <laughs> it's just going to be brutal. I mean, he's just going to say, stop hitting me. Stop hitting me. And it's just going to go downhill from there. And we're going to say, ah, oh, this is going to make a good trivia pursuit card someday. Yeah, okay. I have to, I have to follow with my prediction because I'm going the other oh. way. I think that Sanders is going to win Iowa in a squeaker. Oh. And, mm. and I think the people of New Hampshire are going to turn around and reward Hillary the way they did in 2008, and she's going to pull out a squeaker there. Mm. That, uh, I, I, I think – yeah. Uh, on the Democratic side, I think actually – I think Hillary wins both states. Uh, they may be close, but I think she wins both states, and then she crushes Bernie in South Carolina. Yeah. I think Cruz, I think Cruz beats Trump in Iowa. I do think Trump wins in New Hampshire, and I think Trump wins in South Carolina too because it has a much more – South Carolina Republicans are much more protectionist than the rest of the country. So Trump can actually hit – can actually score points with them on a particular issue. But I think actually – and granted, this may be my bias here. I think Marco Rubio will actually win the Nevada caucuses, and that's where the anti-Trump firewall begins. Mm. And then from there, I think Trump will fade, and it will be – uh, and Trump will fade, and Rubio will end up uh, taking the front runner status. Okay, that's there a good go. one. That's interesting. All and right. with that, I think we've covered it. Anything else? No, I think that's it. Okay, folks. Well, we'll see you next week after two more debates and a lot more fun on the campaign trail. Until then, this is the More Perfect Union podcast. Thanks for listening. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. 
That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BDW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.